0: So we've talked about sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola gratia, grace alone. Today we're going to talk about sola fide, faith alone. Faith in Jesus Christ is essential for our salvation and justification. To be justified is to be reckoned by God just if I'd never sinned. It is through faith that God's saving grace and our justification is received and revealed through our lives. God's saving grace, his salvation is known and made manifest in us through faith. Faith alone is the channel that delivers God's saving grace to all who receive it. I'm going to read to you from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 3, verses 21 through 28. Follow along with me. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. That word, propitiation, may be a difficult word for you. It's a very interesting word. I want to just stop here for a moment in our reading. It's not used very often in the New Testament. And it is a word that literally means the mercy seat. This is a picture of the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat where God dwelt between the cherubim. That is where the presence of God dwelt among his people in the Old Testament when you read in the tabernacle, in the temple. And that mercy seat was behind a veil it wasn't just behind one veil it was actually behind more than one veil you had to go through a veil to go into the holy place you had to go through another veil to go into the most holy place which was only allowed to be entered once a year by the high priest and it was within that most holy place that the ark dwelt it was set there that golden box with these cherubim on top and it was between the wings of the cherubim that the presence of God dwelt. It was that ark that the high priest would go into once a year on the day of atonement and he would sprinkle the blood of sacrifice for the sins of the people. This is what this word means. We can shorten it and say that that God set forth Jesus Christ as an atoning sacrifice and that is true but he is much more than just an atoning sacrifice he is the mercy seat he is the atoning sacrifice that not just that did not just satisfy the justice of God but it Reconciled God with his people. I want you to understand today that when we talk about faith, faith alone as our justification, I want you to understand that what Jesus did in becoming your atoning sacrifice was much more than just satisfy the justice of God. He actually brought the reconciliation. That was necessary between God and man. That is what this word means. It is a picture of God's love for his people. Bringing reconciliation between those whom he loves. Not just a simple satisfaction of justice. Let me continue. So God set forth one other thing. God set forth Jesus before all men. The ark was set behind two veils. It was hidden. It was not visible. There was only one person once a year that got to see it. But God set forth Jesus openly, publicly, his mercy seat, his ark, the place that his presence dwelt among his people. God brought Jesus and he put him on display before all men. To see, That's what this word set forth means. In Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as the atoning sacrifice, the mercy seat, the reconciliation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just And the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Paul goes on and writes later on in this letter, in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that you would today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, take your gospel, that is the power of God to salvation, And I ask, God, that you would change us, that you would transform us, that you would break through the hardness of our humanity, of our sinfulness, and that you would, by the power of your gospel, save us, make us whole, heal us. Give us eyes to see by faith what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And give us hearts and minds that are open to receive your gift. Amen. Faith alone. There is a relationship between grace and faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul writes, For grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. There's two very important words there, by and through. We are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is not earned. Grace is not deserved. Grace is not something we can achieve through ourselves. Salvation is by God's grace alone. There is nothing added to God's grace that saves us. It's not God's grace plus my works. It's not God's grace plus anything. It is by grace alone that we are saved. Ephesians 2.1, Paul writes, God in his grace made us alive while we were dead. What can a dead man add to? What can a dead man add in order to achieve his resurrection? A dead man can't add anything. A dead man is dead. He is powerless. God in his grace made us alive while we were dead in trespasses and sins. In Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes, you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. By grace, we are transformed from darkness into life. Like death to life, dark to light is a complete change of nature that is achieved by grace. You may change your behavior. You may change your hair color, if you have any. You may change your weight. You may change your diet. You may change the car you drive, the house you live in, the clothes you wear, but you cannot change your nature. You can change all kinds of things, but you cannot change your nature. And the Bible pictures for us the grace of God and the salvation of God in such a way that it takes the power away from us and puts it squarely with God, where it absolutely needs to be. God, by grace alone, saves us. He does so according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. God saves us. Why? Not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but because it was the good pleasure of His will to the praise of the glory of His grace. By grace you have been saved. There is a relationship between grace and faith. Faith is defined in the Scripture. Faith is the instrument or the channel through which we receive God's gracious salvation. Remember, we are saved by grace through faith that word through is a Greek word that literally paints a picture of a channel grace is what saves us faith is the channel through which that salvation comes it's the pipeline that brings us salvation it is through faith that God's salvation comes to us and it is faith that justifies us before God. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the writer of Hebrews writes this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith inherently speaks of what we cannot see with sight, but yet it says it is the substance. It's real. It's tangible. In verse 6 of that same chapter, it goes on and it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. It is grace that gives me eyes to see by faith what cannot be seen by sight. Faith is not about imagining in your mind what, might be, faith is knowing in your heart what you cannot see by sight, but what you can absolutely see and know by faith. The farmer plants a field full of seed, not imagining that it's going to grow. He plants it knowing that it's going to grow. He plants it in faith without doubting that his seed is going to come forth. He doesn't plant it fretting, hoping it's going to come forth. He knows that if you put good seed in good soil, that seed is going to come forth. That's faith. Faith is the grace of God giving us eyes to see, to see by faith what we cannot see by sight by faith we lay hold of the righteousness of Christ that God credits to the account of all who believe if you are trusting in Christ today God is crediting your account with his righteousness you're not righteous Christ is righteous I'm not righteous Christ is righteous and God credits the righteousness of Christ to me. That's what faith does. Faith credits the righteousness of Christ to us, to our account. It is not faith plus works, it is faith alone that justifies us only through faith in the work and the righteousness of Jesus Christ are we justified before the Father. So by grace, through faith, you have been saved. God's grace, not our faith, is the basis of our salvation. We're saved by grace alone, but it is through the channel of faith alone that we receive this salvation. Therefore, we are saved by grace, but we are not saved apart from faith. John writes in his gospel in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, but as many as received him, speaking of Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who did he give the right to become children of God to? Those who were born of God. And those born of God are born according to the good pleasure of his will. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. So there is a relationship between grace and faith. Grace is what saves us. Faith is the channel that brings that salvation to us. And faith, just like Our salvation is a gift of grace that God gives to us. There is a relationship between faith and works. They complement one another. They do not contradict one another. Now, I just read a scripture to you that says we're justified by faith apart from works. So you might wonder, what in the world is the relationship between faith and works? Because if we're not justified by our works, and we're justified by faith alone, then how can faith and works complement one another? But I promise you, they do. From a little article entitled, Five Things You Were Never Taught About the Five Solas by Matthew Barrett, listen to this paragraph about faith alone. Faith alone is not an exemption from good works. No one argued more passionately that we are justified through faith alone than the reformers. The ungodly are declared righteous by God, not by looking to their own merits, not even in part, but by looking to Christ alone with eyes of faith. What many forget, however, is that sola fide, or faith alone, brought enormous criticism in return. If the sinner's works are irrelevant, then surely all incentive for good works is lost. Not so, the reformers countered. We may be justified through faith alone, but faith is never alone. The faith that justifies always produces a life of sanctification. That is a life of holiness. Those who claim to be right with God but live like the devil demonstrate that they never rightly understood sola fide, or faith alone, to begin with. If one has truly trusted in Christ, then doing anything but living for Christ feels oxymoronic. Sola fide means the sinner has been liberated, set free to obey a new master, not to earn his favor, but to enlist in his service as his royal subject. With a new status, the believer now has a new allegiance. Or we could say it like this, with a new nature, the believer now has a new allegiance. James in his letter writes to us and he is very passionate in his argument that we must demonstrate works along with our faith. Faith and works are not contradictory but complementary. Faith without works, James writes, is dead. Turn over to the book of James chapter 2 and let's read this short section of James' letter where he writes to us about faith and works. James chapter 2, beginning in verse, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Those thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You should highlight that in your Bible. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body... Without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. There is a relationship between faith and works. We are justified through faith alone, but faith is never alone. Saving faith will always be accompanied by works that are produced out of our faith. Remember, we're not saved or justified by good works. But we are saved for and to good works. Salvation and justification is not the result of our good works. Good works are the result of our salvation and justification. Our salvation and justification inevitably lead to our good works. And what are good works? Paul writes in Ephesians 2:10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The works God calls us to, we can call them good. But just because they're good doesn't necessarily mean they're easy. They can be hard, they can be dirty, They can be inconvenient. They can be terribly inconvenient. They can be very humbling. They can be all kinds of things. We use this term good works and we think about helping little old ladies across the street or going down to the food pantry and giving out food and making ourselves feel really good. I've done a good work for God. But good works, the good works God calls us to are much greater than that, much deeper than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God has given to us in Jesus Christ the ministry of reconciliation. One of the good works that God calls us to is that we love our enemies. One of the good works that God calls us to is that we inconvenience ourselves for the glory of God for his sake. Not taking our own sake Into consideration. There are many ways and many forms that these good works take, but they will always conform to and be consistent with the very nature and life of Christ. The very nature and life of God Himself. If you've ever questioning the work God's called you to, if that work is contrary to who God is, if it's contrary to his nature, if it's contrary to his love, if it's contrary to his grace, if it's contrary to who he is, it's probably a work of your flesh and not a work born out of faith. And even that, crucifying the works of the flesh, is a work that God calls us to because God has ways of crucifying our flesh that are outside of our control very often but God also wants us as Paul says to die daily Paul said I die daily Jesus said if you desire to be my disciple take up your cross daily and follow me and that cross leads only to one place and that is our death the end of us So that the life of God can come forth. The good works that God calls us to are good works that don't glorify us, they glorify God. They don't exalt us, they exalt God. The Apostle James. Writes, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. The apostle Paul writes, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Who's right? They're both right. Just as faith is a fruit of the Spirit, works are a fruit of our faith. James two eighteen. Paul and James do not contradict one another, they actually complement one another. If you profess to have faith in Christ, your life must, it must manifest the works that are consistent with Christ. If you have been graciously saved by God, You will, through faith, you will manifest those works that give witness to the life of Christ in you. You will. There is no question about that. Now, it may not happen in the time that you want it to happen in. It may not happen in the time that your neighbor wants it to happen in. But it will happen. Jesus made this very... Simple yet powerful statement recorded for us in Matthew chapter 7. A good tree will produce good fruit. A good fountain will produce sweet water, it won't produce bitter. A fruit tree's not going to give thorns and thistles. That's a promise that God gives us. Now there is a process we see it in James, in uh, John 15. There's a process of pruning and cultivating. Jesus pictures for us, uses this metaphor of the, of the grapevine. He says, "I am the true vine. You are the branches." And he talks about how the word cleans the vine. That word clean there means prune. The word of God prunes us, it cuts away those things that are hindering our fruitfulness. The writer of Hebrews says, The word of God is sharp and powerful as a two edged sword, it goes and it pierces to the very division of bone and marrow, it lays open. The very thoughts and intents of our heart. God takes his word and he prunes us. He cuts away. Like a good gardener or a good surgeon. Those things that are hindering us from life. He does that because he loves us. It is absolutely necessary. And we must not resist the pruning work of God's word and God's spirit in our life no matter how unpleasant no matter how conve- inconvenient no matter how hard it may be you must not resist that because if you are truly the child of God your resistance is futile just like it was for Captain Picard and if you're not a Trekkie you won't know what I'm talking about but that's okay If you are a child of God, your resistance is absolutely futile because God, one way or another, in his love, in his grace given to you, he will make sure that you work out your salvation for he is working in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So this picture of works and faith, picture a tree ripe with fruit. So in your mind's eye, just picture your favorite fruit all over a tree just bursting with ripe fruit. If we consider the tree from the root, it informs us as to what kind of fruit it will produce if we consider the tree from the fruit it informs us as to what the root is the root determines the fruit and the fruit identifies the root you walk up to an apple tree you don't have to wonder if you see apples hanging on the tree whether that's the root of an apple tree you know that it is an apple tree root If you walk up to a peach tree, an orange tree, or a lemon tree, you don't have to wonder what kind of root that tree has. The fruit identifies the root. If you take a bare root free bare root tree in the spring, you can go to the nursery and buy what they call bare root trees. Just looks like a dead stick, and it's got a root. Dig a hole, you put that dead stick, that dead looking stick in the ground. It has no leaves on it, it has no fruit on it, but you bought it because the root is the root of a peach tree. And so when you plant that, you have the absolute expectation that as that tree grows and matures, it's going to produce peaches. Now how do you know that? Because the root was the root of a peach tree this is the picture of faith and works just as faith or just as fruit on a tree identifies the root the root we do not see but know is there tells us what the fruit will be The fruit we see confirms what the root is. So when we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, when we demonstrate those, when we manifest those through our lives, no one has to wonder what the root is. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sometimes, just like all fruit trees, sometimes they have issues. And the vine dresser, the gardener has to go in there and he has to do some work to maximize the fruitfulness and the life of that tree. But he does that because he loves, because he's a good vine dresser, he's a good gardener and he knows how to maximize the life and the fruitfulness in that tree so there is a relationship between faith and works the root and the fruit do not contradict one another but complement and confirm one another so do faith and works if Christ has taken root in your heart the works consistent with faith in Christ will be produced through your life. There is also a relationship between faith and the law. Romans three nineteen through 20 Paul writes, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's really important to understand. By the law is the knowledge of sin. The law reveals that we all have fallen short of the glory of God. The law reveals the righteousness of God and the sinfulness of man. By the law, sin is magnified and our need of the Savior is made known. Paul goes on and he writes in Romans 3 28 and 27, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. The law reveals that we cannot be justified in our own work and by our own merit because we continually fall short. When God gave the law, he gave an impossible standard on purpose that may sound unreasonable to you and it is unreasonable if God expected us to achieve that. But if God gave that standard for another reason, not because He thought we could achieve it, but because He knew that He would send one who would achieve it one day, but what that law standard really did was show us how hopeless and how helpless we are in ourselves. And it forces us to turn to another outside of ourselves, more powerful than ourselves, to seek a righteousness that is other than ourself. The law reveals that we cannot be justified in our own work by our own merit, but only in the work and the merit of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So Paul writes this in Galatians 3.24, Therefore the law was our tutor, our guardian, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law does not deliver us from sin. The law delivers us in our sin to the Savior. The law does not justify us. The law condemns us. The law is the guardian that brings us to Christ who is the just and the justifier of those who have faith in him. Let me read it again, but let me finish and add the the next verse that accompanies it. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor or under a guardian. After faith has come we are no longer under the law we are in Christ and Christ is our lawgiver and he is our law keeper who is our righteousness before God the father grace alone saves you faith alone justifies you and faith alone is the only means through which you may receive the gracious salvation of God. By grace alone you are saved, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Romans 4, 3 and 5, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Are you hearing, church? But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Trust on Jesus, and your faith will be accounted for righteousness. Listen to Romans 10:8 through 13. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith Calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not a formula for your salvation. That is the truth that from the abundance of your heart, from a heart that's been changed by the grace of God, from a heart that's been infused with faith by the grace of God, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall. Be saved. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Call on Him. Trust in Him and be saved. I want us to get ready to come to the table. And as you get ready to come to this table, as you trust in Christ, come to His table as Paul writes, to proclaim his death, but also we celebrate his life. Christian, I invite you, come to the table. My charge to you today is to know that it is by grace alone that salvation has come to you. Know that it is by faith alone that you are justified before him. Know that you cannot add anything to earn or merit His salvation or His favor. Know that there is no work or performance you can add that makes you justified and acceptable to the Father. The only work acceptable to Him is the work of His Son, the Lord Jesus. In His life and in His death on the cross, that is the work that God takes pleasure in look to Christ alone trust in his work alone accept the grace of God and rejoice in the salvation and life he calls you to through faith in him know that he will never leave you he will never forsake you know that in your deepest valley or highest mountain He is with you. Trust Him.